Welcome to Almost Professional, a pre-professional podcast, and part two of our interview with Kristen Bush. Enjoy! So, when you were applying to MSWs, was it applying kind of in specific areas, applying wildly? Like, how were you thinking about the particular programs you were interested in going to? Um, I knew I wanted to be in New York, and mm-hmm. I think maybe some of it had to do with one of my former mentors from undergrad. She went to Columbia for her doctorate. Mm-hmm. Um, no, she went to, for her master's, and then I think went to Pennsylvania. So I was like, okay, Columbia, I think that's what I want to do. Mm-hmm. I think I also liked that Columbia had options. Like mm-hmm. some social work programs, it's strictly counseling, but Columbia had different tracks. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked that that was a name that could travel. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, all of those went into my thinking. One piece of advice that I would <laughs> tell your listeners is to really think about the cost of graduate mm-hmm. education. Um, you can go anywhere you want, but figure out ways to supplement the cost, especially mm-hmm. if you're going to a field like social work. So mm-hmm. if you're working at Columbia, you can get a discount, mm-hmm. you know, um, also, if you do a PhD program, most PhD programs are funded. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, at the time, a friend of me, to, a friend of mine, told me this: just do the PhD. I was like, I don't feel like I'm ready. <laughs> and in hindsight, I was ready. Yeah. <laughs> so I would definitely yeah. recommend that. Certainly ready for the stipend. Certainly, re- exactly, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would recommend. Do your research yeah. and look for ways to get it at an affordable price. Because when you come out, you're really not going to be making like that kind of money. In social work, I would imagine. In social work, exactly. Yeah. When you think back to your own process of looking for these schools, what kind of resources did you have to help you make that decision to distinguish between like one program versus the other? Was it just you like looking at websites, contacting schools? Were there people in the social work community that you were talking to, get, getting opinions from? I, yeah. I think I talked to a couple people in the social work community. Um, they were kind of helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had people who knew about advanced degrees, knew about getting advanced degrees, but didn't necessarily know about funding yeah. advanced that's degrees. Really and so that's what I would tell your listeners, too, is... It's one thing to find people who can kind of tell you what the process is for getting a, a graduate degree. Yeah. It's a whole other thing to have people who can tell you what is the process for getting scholarship. What yeah. are you know ways that you could go about getting the same degree but at a reduced cost. Or what it feels like to have however many tens of thousands of dollars worth of debt after exactly. that master's degree if that's what happens. Exactly. Especially case. in New York. Like yeah. I had no yeah. <laughs> awareness of what... The cost of living. Well, I mean, let's, let, we can, let's talk about that. I think that's a good thing to linger on a little bit for students. It sounds like you weren't necessarily being mindful of finances mm-hmm. when you were going through your application process, no, or like the kind of overall financial picture. What, like, do you feel like so cost didn't really enter into the decision making process that you had for graduate school? I think I had this illusion because I had gone to Duke but came out with very little debt because mm-hmm. I had like scholarships. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think in my mind, like, I didn't really, I never sat down and thought, okay, but why didn't I have this debt at Duke? Like, what were some of the things that were being covered? Um, so I kind of, I think, thought, oh, well, graduate school is going to be the same. Like, yeah. I'm going to apply to this prestigious school. Something will work out. Some magic, you know, whatever. I'll get this. I'll get that. And that's not always the case. So, I mean, I think it's just I would have been a little bit more savvy about that. And I Mm -hmm. know even now when I have students who tell me they're interested in social work, the first or second question I ask them is, okay, so how are we going to fund this? Like, And it's not saying you can't go to the school that you want to go to. 
but just be aware of all of the ways that you could get that same degree at a reduced cost. I mean, are there, you know, like national or larger scholarships that, for example, now you're aware of that you feel like you might have looked for or tried to get, or I guess other resources that you're aware of now that you might point a student towards that you weren't necessarily aware of when you were applying? I mean, well, two of the things I would be, <laughs> I don't know, I don't want to dissuade people from certain schools, but yeah. I would just say this. Two of the things I would say is that, you know, NYU and Columbia are two of the schools that have their students come out with the most debt. Mm. So if you can go to a UCLA or another school that's just yeah. as prestigious. Or like um, Hunter College, for example. Or Hunter College. Um, I didn't even, yeah, I wasn't even aware that Hunter College was mm. perceived as just as prestigious. Um, really look into that. Um, I would also say some schools do things like I had a student who went to UCLA um, because she was from California. I think she got some type of scholarship mm -hmm. because she was a student leader. Um, she got some type of scholarship. And then she also had the option to be like a TA or something along those lines, even in a ma master's program. And then because of the field placement she chose, there was also an additional like opportunity for her to get money. So I would say as you're going, like talk to students who are there and don't just talk to one. <laughs> if you talk to one and you don't quite get the answers that you want, ask them to refer you to someone else um, and figure out what are they doing to finance their education because yeah. other people are aware of things, you know. But am I asking, what did you do to finance your education? Like, what was the, the end I didn't solution? have a, I didn't have a beautiful <laughs> end story. It was Sally Mae, now Navient. Yeah, now <laughs> um, Potentially conduit or whatever the next thing's going to be. Exactly, right? <laughs> <laughs> so that's why I'm always trying to tell students that, about those yeah. other options, you okay. know. Did you have the opportunity to work at all during your graduate experience? I did. I okay. did. So I worked a bit. Um, I also had work study. So I did different things here and mm -hmm. there. Um, I will say this. Also do your research around programs. Like mm -hmm. if you know, like I knew I was specifically interested in working with communities of color. Mm -hmm. So you want to find out what are the top schools that are interested in that. Mm -hmm. If you know that what you're interested in is more alcoholism or things of that nature, find out who are the top schools specializing in that? Because um, depending on what, you know, the faculties specialize in and mm -hmm. teach, um, that's going to determine kind of the slant or, yeah, how the the type of, yeah. the I won't say quality, but. Like the opportunities you have. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Do you, so kind of looking at Columbia, was did they have the opportunities for you to work with communities of color? Like, is that a case where the faculty was po pushed in a slightly different direction? Or? I will say that they had opportunities to work with communities of color. Mm -hmm. I just didn't feel like their research, you know, they didn't, they didn't in the classroom, the classroom mm -hmm. setting didn't quite match the opportunities outside of the classroom. Mm -hmm. And so there was a lot of supplementing that myself and other classmates had to do um, in terms of our own learning to get what we wanted out of our experience, you know? Yeah. That's good to know, because I think often students will just... Sometimes I see students approaching graduate school almost with the same undergraduate mentality, where they're like, I want to apply to 20 programs. Right. I just want to get in. And I'm like, eh, that's not really the way master's programs work, because right. if you get into some program somewhere where you aren't getting the skills that necessarily you want to get, then right. what does that degree mean to you? Right. And I would say go beyond just looking at numbers. Like just because, like yeah. for example, just because a program has a large international student body doesn't necessarily mean that the curriculum is going to reflect, yeah. you know, like that is going to cover international issues in social work mm. or even help students figure out how do you translate a social work degree 
to an international community, sure. you know, that may Definitely. or may not have that in existence. Mm-hmm. So I would really say, especially for social work, because it's an expensive degree, you're not coming out making a, tons of money. Um, do your homework around the, about the programs. Look at the faculty. Look at the uh, curriculum. Look at, like, talk to students. Yeah. Um, don't just look at where they rank, <laughs> like yeah. the rankings. Don't just look at, you know, their student body. That, these are the things I had looked at. Yeah. They're important, yes, yeah. but don't just look at those. And I think that's, what's challenging is that that kind of stuff is what's published. Like, mm-hmm. that's within, like, U.S. News and World Report. Those numbers about student body, about alumni giving, about all those things that create a ranking, those are still accessible to students. Mm-hmm. But they can be really deceptive. Mm-hmm. Or not the whole story. I mean, you, you mentioned in the beginning the difference in social work programs between like a clinically focused program and a kind of like social justice or administratively focused program. Mm-hmm. Um, but so Columbia, it sounds like, was less clinically focused and more... They had a clinical track, you know, um, but I think, like, just based off of kind of what I've already mentioned about my experience in the classroom, um, I, more and more I wanted to do the administrative track. Mm-hmm. Like, I felt like I wasn't quite getting what I was looking for in, ter- in terms of the clinical work that I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. So that I could supplement, but these other things like learning budgeting and mm-hmm. how to do program administration. And then that was also the first time I even came across social entrepreneurship. I was like, wow, okay, this is really interesting. So let me concentrate on this and supplement the other pieces. Yeah, the clinical stuff you can mm-hmm. find around. Interesting. And that kind of leads me to the next large question I want to ask that the difference in academic experience mm-hmm. you might have had between your undergraduate training and your graduate level training. Mm-hmm. Like it sounds content already. There was a big difference. Like Huge you're learning, difference. <laughs> like you're learning, you know, skills based courses, like budgeting mm-hmm. and stuff like that. But I guess generally, I mean, how did you feel both in terms of content, but also like expectations, overall learning experience? Yeah. This is another thing I'm going to say. Not all master's degrees are equal. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and I think some of this, you know, I'm trying as much as possible to be neutral. I think some of this is um, an issue for the field of social work in general because mm-hmm. it borrows from so many disciplines. Um, but I found, you know, the master's program to be much less rigorous than my undergrad experience. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. And that's why I say not all of them are equal because if you talk to an econ person, I'm sure they're going to have a very different thing of course. Yeah, <laughs> to yeah. say. But yeah, I didn't. I didn't find it half as challenging. Um, the fir- now my first semester, I had imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. You know all these other things. <laughs> this kind of personal challenges. Yeah, but, yeah, these personal challenges where you know, I, in my mind, I'm like, I'm in a master's program, <laughs> so this means that like I have to give my blood, sweat, and tears, or I'm just not gonna make it. So I was doing all these crazy things like staying up till four a.m. and all this other kind of thing. But after that semester. Yeah, I kind of realized that, you know, one, my experience that I had taken in between undergrad and mm-hmm. grad school, um, it, I actually had learned a lot. So mm-hmm. in some ways, I was a little ahead of some of my peers in terms of my understanding of certain issues. Two, in my undergrad, I had taken so many psychology classes. I had taken so many mm-hmm. Africana studies classes. I'll say this about the social work program. It's it's a mix of so many different people. Sure. It's not like a, a degree in, I don't know, chemistry where they kind of expect you to have a certain set of mm-hmm. coursework before you even apply. Yeah. Um, some of some of the students <laughs> really have never had a psych class. Mm-hmm. Like they're career changers. They're people yeah. who did a business track and then they decide that they want to, you know, do something different. So they go to social work school. 
So because of that, you have such a wide range of, uh, you know, people and expertise in your class. So for me, it was a little challenging. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And I wasn't aware of that, like, to be quite honest. Um, So in that sense, I would say again, like, just be just be ready for that. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I guess that's something students don't necessarily think about that, especially at a professional program. Right. People are coming in with all these different types of experiences. Right. Not, I mean, obviously, undergraduates come in with different experiences, but you're 18, like, right. many come from similar backgrounds, so there's a certain shared pool of experiences that those students have. But in graduate school, kind of all bets are off. It could be right. someone who's just coming out of undergrad to someone who's a 15-year working professional in a field and decides suddenly they want to go to graduate school. Exactly. And exactly. That, can, that can make... For interesting classroom dynamics. It does I make would for interesting. <laughs> Especially, I think, coming from a research institution, like, you don't know how much, when you come from that type of institution, kind of in the back of your, at least in the back of my mind, I was always thinking, how am I going to improve upon the field? What new thought mm. contribution can I make? How can I, you know, yeah. you're, it's very forward thinking. And then to go to a very practice-based master's program, mm. they're asking different questions. That's yeah. not necessarily the push. It's really just like, okay, how do you take these set of known, you know, theories and apply them to mm-hmm. these set, you know, these certain circumstances? Yeah. Um, so it just felt very different. It yeah. didn't feel as rigorous in that way. And I, I want to go back to something you mentioned, which is important but hasn't really come up yet in one of these podcasts, the idea of imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. which is, I feel like, a, a very common at the graduate school level, particularly from students who are used to doing well at, this is going to sound really horrible, but like doing well at competitive institutions mm-hmm. but going to a graduate program where the expectations suddenly shift in a dramatic way. And yeah. there's a sense like, what am I doing here? Why am I here? How did I end up here? Yeah. Um, you mentioned kind of getting over that. Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that was something you just you just kind of gradually, as you adjusted, kind of went away? Were you getting positive feedback in your classes that helped you realize, oh, no, this is just like a voice inside my head? Like, do you yeah. kind of recall how you moved past that moment? I mean, I think it was a combination of, like I said, once I realized so many people um, – hadn't even like come from a hadn't had a psychology background or Mm -hmm. hadn't you know done some of the research and work I had done um it made me see wow you know not only do I think I belong like not only do I belong to be here I think I'm I think I'm actually like (laughs) doing really well doing well you know um but I also think like I also think you, you know you adjust yeah. You adjust, and you start to figure out, kind of, I'm sure, in the same way that certain students who are taking Orgo that first semester, and then, mm-hmm. you know, by the time you're in Orgo, too, you kind of, you real hopefully, you figured out. <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> sometimes. You know, the, okay, certain study habits, you yeah. figured out that some of the people who are talking the most don't get it just like you, yeah. um, so you just adjust. So I think, for me, it was a mix of those things, yeah. like, realizing that, I knew quite a bit, and even a lot of the material that was covered in my master's program, I had covered in undergrad. Um, Seeing some of the skill sets I had developed in undergrad that served me well, like in my undergrad, I mean, in my graduate program, we actually had a class that went over, like, what is research? You know, and I have been working on research studies for a while, so to see, okay, I have this skill set really helped me figure out I could do this and do it well. That's good. So it's a combination of just being mindful and learning, really, I have these skills that I guess took for granted or wasn't really necessarily aware of, clearly, Mm -hmm. but also kind of sticking with it, like saying, I'm just going to 
yeah power through and realize that we'll just this will work out and I just yeah. got to kind of keep going forward yeah. yeah is there a particular class that stands out during your master's experience a few of them um I took a class with a lady named Maria Yellowhorse Braveheart and we talked a lot about indigenous communities um and the historical um, oppression that they went through and um, and the internalized historical oppression that they mm-hmm. went through. And there are parallels between that community and actually the um, Jewish community mm-hmm. in terms of what they had gone through with the Holocaust. And then we were also looking at healing modalities that were based in, you know, individuals' cultural practices. So that one, phenomenal. <laughs> um, another class that stood out, I took... Um, macro a macro practice and so it's basically mm-hmm. looking at different business models and what business models like tend to work best in what settings mm-hmm. and what they're good for so mm-hmm. it, it's it sounds kind of dry but actually it was a really <laughs> yeah. it was a really good class that i think people don't think enough about like how literally how the setup of work produces a certain outcome Hmm. and if you shift certain things and how work is set up and designed Mm -hmm. you get different outcomes Hmm. um so is this like from the perspective of you taking like a position as like a a manager in mm -hmm. an office providing services or a manager of like a larger counseling practice like was there a specific set of scenarios it was imagining this being applied yeah it was a lot of social services social services but then because the class was really about looking at just like i said business we also looked at you know for-profit companies and like just different theories related to, you know, how you set up management, different tiers of, of an organization, um, what things tend to work best when and why certain business designs don't translate, you know, to mm-hmm. a social service setting and things mm-hmm. like that. That one was fantastic. I would like, <laughs> I could go back and take that <laughs> class again. Um, what else did I take? I took a class... Um, I think it was also around like just the the history of uh, social work. I think the professor <laughs> made that one uh, interesting, not necessarily, you know. So what else? And then oh, and then um, me and a group of some of my other students, we developed our own class. Oh wow! And so that class was about African-centered social work practices. Mm-hmm. So we did a lot of different research and figured out or and found different theories that were based off, again, um, African-American and African um, cultural practices Mm -hmm. um, that were kind of outside of the mainstream Mm -hmm. literature and Mm -hmm. research, but that were shown to be effective and were evidence-based. And we had a class um, specifically about that. So it was really good. That's interesting. I mean, is that something that was... I guess typically an option for students in Columbia was that something you guys worked hard to put together? Like what was that? We worked hard start? to put it together. So um, I happen to have a friend who like <laughs> had a very strong organizing background. She uh-huh. actually developed, and for those people who are thinking about the school of social work at Columbia, this still exists. She developed a practice-based co- uh, conference for um, practitioners working um, with individuals in the criminal justice system, mm. and it's still going on. So mm. she was just one of those kind of. And we have been lamenting for a full year, you know, that we weren't getting what we wanted Mm -hmm. out of our clinical classes. And so she was like, let's make this happen. Let's develop our own class. Mm -hmm. So each of us was kind of charged with doing research and finding different readings and topics. And we drafted together um, a syllabus and submitted it to the dean, found a faculty um, advisor. And so it was almost like a group independent study. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's great. 
Um, it sounds like it's good you had that kind of person, that personality yes. there to organize that. I mean, it's always <laughs> wonderful to be able to work with people like that. I know. Um, you mentioned clinical. So you also mentioned kind of a little bit earlier that you were using the kind of independently found clinical experiences to, I don't know, I guess round out or provide you with some of the things you feel like you weren't necessarily getting mm-hmm. in the coursework that you were taking, or like the more structured coursework you were taking. Mm-hmm. How were you getting those clinical experiences? Was there a structure within um, Columbia to provide you with those? Or were you yeah. again going out and finding them yourself? So they have a structure. So every year you get a field placement. Mm-hmm. I would say the field placement that um, was most significant for me was the one at the door. Mm-hmm. Um, and I mean... From there, I feel like my, my present day career just launched. So yeah. I made another very good mentor. Um, I was working with a community that I loved. I was working in their career and education department, um, doing a lot of programmatic things and ind- I guess indirect service, but developing systems, structures, things like that, as well as doing a little bit of direct service. Um, so I had, yeah, so I had a field placement. Mm-hmm. Um, that allowed me to apply certain things. But in terms of just my own personal and professional development, um, I felt like I would, yeah, that we needed to supplement it. Mm-hmm. So. But you mentioned that, so that experience, for example, at the door kind of pushed you in the direction that you're, you're following right now. Yeah. And I guess to get to that point, I mean, so you're kind of going through your master's degree, you're getting to the point. Was it a, how long was the program? Two years? Mm-hmm. Two years. So you're at the point where you're finishing up, let's mm-hmm. say. What are your what were your thoughts at the time about career? Like, had you made connections already during the course of like clinical and volunteer experiences? Mm-hmm. Were you still thinking primarily administrative? Were you wondering if getting like licensure or something like that would, would be appropriate for you? Where mm-hmm. were you? Where was your head at when you were doing that? When I graduated, I I thought I wanted to do more like um, administrative mm-hmm. program development, um, things like that, um, and maybe even you know more macro. So, and I did it. So actually, <laughs> I worked at the door as a, my, you know, field placement. Mm-hmm. And we had a contract, a city contract with the Department of Youth and um, Department of Youth and Community Development. And so I worked very closely with our funder. And our funder ended up hiring me <laughs> directly out of graduate school. And so I was a program manager at, at DYCD and did it for three years, I want to say, and liked it, but missed the direct Mm -hmm. one-on-one interaction. Mm -hmm. But I think what I got throughout graduate school is that I really did like both. Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't be happy doing just one job or the other, like Mm -hmm. doing direct or doing indirect. Um, And now that I look back, especially when I talk about this, I think there were always kind of things that were telling me that. That's Mm -hmm. why I wasn't fully happy doing research and doing psychology. Um, that wasn't that's why I wasn't fully happy, you know, just doing clinical work. Like that's why I love the macro class mm-hmm. as well as loving the treatment class around mm-hmm. indigenous communities. I always wanted to do both. Mm-hmm. So after when I was at DYCD, I loved what I was doing, but I missed working with students. I missed the direct impact that I was able to have. And so I was looking for what would allow me to get that experience to do both. And it was an education. Yeah. And was was I guess NYU your your kind of first stop in that higher education trajectory? Was it I have a funny own? story. Okay. <laughs> so I like I, so like I said, I worked in the career and education department at the door, 
when I got hired at DYCD, I worked um, with a program. It was all workforce development. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're constantly training students around workforce development, different workforce development principles. And so one of the things that we talk about is informational interviews and how you should just go and request them. So I don't know what made me stumble upon NYU. I think it was something like NYU always had this cool <laughs> feeling. Um, it always just seemed a little edgier, uh-huh. a little bit more ahead of the cusp. Even their social work department mm-hmm. um, is a little bit more ahead of the cusp when it comes to current contemporary issues in mm-hmm. Columbia. Um, so I literally <laughs> convinced the security guard to let me in, <laughs> went up to the ninth floor at the advising offices and asked Matthew Sauter, <laughs> <laughs> who do I need to speak to to get an informational interview? And from that, they um, connected me with Kate Baxter, who at the oh, time... okay. Yeah, who was the assistant dean, right? She was a, yeah, assistant dean of students. Or, student, or like first year, the first, first year program. New yeah. students, whatever they yes. Which that position is now held by Sarah Beth Bailey. Mm-hmm. And hit it off with her, met Willie, hit it off Willie Dean Long, <laughs> hit it off with him, and was hired within a couple weeks. So I just say that to say informational interviews work. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and as... Forcing yourself into buildings works. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and ask open-ended questions. Like, yeah. don't ask, can I get an interview? No, you're done asking who do I need to speak to, you know, they have to give you a name, you yeah. know, so those are my two tips. Okay. <laughs> and just to maybe talk generally about your time here at NYU, so, and you mentioned this kind of talking about your interest in administrative and, and one-on-one, combining yeah. the two, how do you feel that you, how do you feel like your training in social work that you received at the master's level, but even before that, how does it relate to and inform the work that you do now in your current position? Sure. Um, so I guess I will answer this in several ways, but, Mm -hmm. um, I would also say, okay, so I would say my undergrad work gave me the foundation. Mm -hmm. Um, again, with the psychology degree, it's it's like getting, you're getting the skeleton. You're Mm -hmm. getting pretty much all the theories you need to know in order to understand why humans are the way Mm -hmm. they are. Um, I think my social work degree, um, for a lot of people, I think it can help you because if you don't necessarily like have certain, I'm trying not to be so vague. Um, it just it helps you to apply those theories. Now, mm-hmm. for some people, that is going to seem very commonsensical, like mm-hmm. some parts of it. For other people, it's going to be very eye opening, and mm-hmm. it really just depends on your background. Like mm-hmm. I said, if you've been at Stern for four years, <laughs> a lot of the things that they cover in social work school may really be eye-opening. It may be like, oh, finally I get why everyone was behaving in certain ways. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I would say even more so than the coursework, which I think is important, were the internships, were the um, mm. field placements, and even my job, my work at DYCD that helped me. Because mm-hmm. At DYCD, I was, like I said, I was a program manager for five different um, nonprofits. And I would say, this is my recommendation, even if you know you want to do direct service, it's very helpful to do jobs that are not that because you start to understand what are the priorities of each level. Mm -hmm. Um, And it actually makes you a better clinician when you can understand why your supervisor is requesting that you only do a certain modality mm-hmm. or when you can understand like what policy is influencing, you know, this issue to be viewed in this way. Mm-hmm. 
it's only going to make you a better clinician. It will make it will actually help you to be able to figure out am I doing this because this is the best practice or am I doing this because this is the current political whatever. Yeah. Um and to be able to I guess make those kind of nuanced decisions that you will need to make mm-hmm. as a skilled um, practitioner. So I mean, I guess it, I really say the whole of my experience helped me to be a bigger picture thinker mm. and to answer more complex and ambiguous um, problems. Yeah, I mean, it, it's interesting too because it's you know with the with the graduate degree, I think students students often come in and say, "Oh, the graduate degree in and of itself." is useful, will make me qualified for things, et cetera, et cetera. But what I think you're saying, and what I, I definitely agree with, is that the graduate degree really is just a way for you to get other experiences. Yeah. Like not, obviously you learn things in your classes and right. that's important, but then you're also doing clinical work, you're doing research, you're doing internships, you're doing all these things around exactly. the actual classroom, which gives you the kind of professional training that you need. And yeah. And can put you in. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's a it's a way in, yeah. you know, and and you know, people can have their feelings about that. <laughs> no, um, personally, but uh, in order to have certain experiences, you need certain credentials, yeah. you know. And so, I definitely yeah. agree with that. And you mentioned like with the seat at the table, like people look exactly. for that credential sometimes. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um, and I would also say one little thing about my <laughs> my process of getting this job. Um, for those people who are like, okay, that's not really relevant to me. I'll just say, if you're in New York, I've worked in many places. And if you're in New York, who you know is as important as what you've done. And so part of the reason that I went about, you know, uh, <laughs> going into mm-hmm. NYU and things like that is because I didn't have anyone in my network yeah. that worked here. And so I realized that in order to develop my network, I've got to get face-to-face time. You can do that in a number of ways. It doesn't have to be barging into a place and asking for an informational interview. You can go on like networking things and things yeah. of that nature. But it's very important to build up your network. Um, I would say even more important than building up your resume. Yeah. You know, so. Because yeah. again, like the resume is kind of useless if they just see you as one among like a hundred names. Right. And exactly. Distinguish you. Yeah. Exactly. Good. Well, I think that's kind of it, and I don't want to keep you too much longer. But I mean, any other kind of final thoughts or advice for students interested in, I guess specifically in MSW, but just <laughs> students going to grad school in general? I would say know why you're going. Mm. I don't think for me, I don't think it's good enough to say I'm getting this because that's what I'm supposed to do. Yeah. Um, you need to know why you're going so that you can maximize your time there. It's a it's a short degree if you're mm. getting a master's, and that's any master's. Um. So, A, try to get it with as little debt as possible, and there are numerous ways to do that. And then B, um, take advantage of that time. So whether it's establishing contacts with professors, doing internships, um, you know, whatever it might be, maximize your time there and know what you're there to get and make sure that you've done your research and that um, it's not simply about a piece of paper. Yeah. As you said, it's it's money and time. And <laughs> those are very real. Those are things you don't get back necessarily. Yeah, exactly. So it's good to make it as worthwhile exactly. as possible. Well, thank you very much, Kristen. Anything thank that you, you. want to kind of mention as programs, opportunities, things you think students at NYU and CAS should know about? You should talk to Brendan Sullivan <laughs> <laughs> about the BA MA program or That's any right. other graduate opportunity. That's right. Get that 50% scholarship. <laughs> Yes, see, discount. That's right, discounts, opportunities. (laughs) Um, That, yeah, that's really it. Okay, good.
Okay. I think. 